Potatoes Life. I hope all is well. Today I'm hitting you with a podcast about the care system. So today we're going to be talking about types of foster placements, but there's a reason I'm doing this episode. So basically, today is the 19th, so the day that this is coming out is going to be on the 19th of May. But running from the 15th of May to the 28th, we have Foster Care Fortnight, which is basically the UK's biggest foster care awareness campaign we have in the UK and it's led by the Fostering Network. It was established in 1997 basically to show and raise awareness of the work that foster carers do. So I thought it would be a good idea for me to kind of chat through my experiences and stuff and I'm not being funny, when I was growing up in the care system I wanted to have somebody I could kind of listen or chat to about advice and experiences just to know that I'm not alone. So take me as your older sibling and I'm going to chat through life experiences and I do want to say now that there is a light at the end of the tunnel so without further ado let's get into the podcast. Right first and foremost we're going to go in with short-term placements. Now short-term placements can basically range anywhere from a few days to two years but typically in this time you're not going to move schools you're not going to like sort of change all of that sort of jazz because you're not there to build a long-term placement. So long-term placements are when you're going to be in a family home for a long period of time. So you're going to have to start building your life now. So you may have to move schools, you may have to change clubs, you might have to stop going to your old places or what have you. But long-term placements differ from short-term placements just because of the length of the placement. And next we have kinship care. Now I'm going to chat through my experiences with kinship care. So when I I went into foster care when I was four, when I was six I went to live with a blood relative and it was a really really hard time and I just want to make this clear that sometimes when you're with a blood relative you're not necessarily safer at least that wasn't the case for me I was worse off because there was a lot of hate in the family and they would take it out on me which isn't fair I know but because you're a child you don't have much say so yeah kinship care it's cheaper as well for social services so they might want you to be in kinship care but for me they didn't have a good time now I had a really weird crossover between short term turning into long-term from kinship care now I get that's very complicated but I'll explain so I was in kinship care and then for a summer I was going to go on um, short-term foster care so that meant that I was only going to be there just for the summer but because the abuse that I received came out I ended up being there for a long-term placement so short-term turned into long-term due to the lack of care I was receiving in my kinship placement. So later we have short or planned breaks. Now short and planned breaks are typically used when a young person is maybe struggling in their current home environment so they need to have a planned break just to just to get away a little bit or if their um, foster parents have got somewhere to be so they're just going to be away for a little bit so short and planned breaks 
normally if there's a bit of turbulence in the family and they think maybe having a little break might help but in my experiences it never really did. I remember one year um, it was about Christmas time and I was going through a really really difficult time like mentally and I was doing my A-levels it was a really really difficult time for me and it was Christmas time and I got put into a different placement and yeah it was hard because I felt completely rejected of a family that I was like I thought we were all good do you know what I mean but because of a series of circumstances it didn't work out that way but I went back and by this time we'd actually figured everything out but social services had already planned for me to fully move somewhere else so I don't know short and planned breaks I'm a little bit iffy but that's what they are just a little bit of time away from your foster placement or your birth parents even just so that new things could get in order the next one I haven't experienced but my foster parents have typically done this but not one them there so parent and child fostering so this is when a young mum or a mother who social services may not think they are capable to be a parent goes into a separate home so a foster home with their baby and they get support and at the end of this um support there'll be a report being done and in summary the foster child may be taken away from their birth parent it's it's not really that nice to think about it that way but that's where it is. Now, I have a lot to say about the next one, which is emergency fostering. Now, I had a awful experience with emergency fostering and it it hurts me to this day. So I remember I came home from school. We were having a really, really difficult time in my foster home. It was really, really turbulent and I wasn't happy, to be fair. My foster parents weren't happy or what have you. But we were in a meeting with social services And at that meeting, my foster parents said, get her out, out. So I had to literally get my things and find someone to live that night. And by this time, it was like five o'clock. I had school the next day. You know, my GCSEs were coming up. It was a really, really difficult time. And I was just kicked out of my home. So social services worked really, really hard to get me a placement for the night. And they did, thank the Lord. And I am so much better for it. But yeah, when you're in that sort of situation, you realise, oh yeah, this is a job to some people and that's what it felt like. So that is my sort of experience and it's really, really scary being in that situation because you're like, where where am I going to go? Because you could be somewhere better, you could be somewhere worse, you, you just don't know. There's a lot of questions, there's a lot of what ifs. The next one is remand fostering. So remand fostering, I've never experienced it. At least I don't think I've experienced it. I'm starting to think, because I was so young, I'm not entirely sure. But remand fostering is when there's court proceedings going on and you need a placement to stay. So yeah, I'm unsure if that is what I experienced but there were definitely court proceedings happening when I was really really young and I did move out for a little while but yeah that's my experiences the next one is supported lodgings now supported lodgings I have experienced and it's basically where you go into somebody's home and you basically rent a room that's the sort of vibe so you're basically living 
alone in somebody else's house but you do have a room so they won't really really support you they're basically your host and they may or may not offer emotional support it just kind of depends on the people I didn't get much support in any sense of the word during this time but I was not long going to university so things were starting to balance out and I was basically just prepping myself for you know the next three years of my life which was going to university. Now the next two I have not experienced but nonetheless I'm still going to put them on the list. So the next one is fostering for adoption slash early performance. So from what I gather from reading on the internet and taking notes and stuff this is where a young child or a person who is going to be adopted by a family has a fostering stint with them first to see whether they can cope with having a child. I don't know anybody who has been through this but you know it might work for some people it might not they might be a bit nervous about being first-time parents they just might need that little bit of support so you know it may provide a bit more stability for a child but I'm unsure and I don't want to put my opinion on that and the next one is for children or young people who have been trafficked or sexually exploited in any sort of way so in this sort of home the young person will be very very vulnerable and they will have more emotional support in this sort of home now I haven't experienced it and if you want to research more into it feel free but there are homes for people like this and there's one other I do want to sort of raise awareness about as well and this one I went into so I was in like what a Tracy Beaker person would call a dumping ground so where a lot of young people go and then they all sort of go off their own ways over time now with my experience in a dumping ground it wasn't too bad we were actually being abused and stuff by our carers but again because we were so young we didn't realize what we were going through was abuse only when we got a bit older I reflected back and I'm like oh my god that's not okay but yeah, everybody has different experiences growing up in the care system and it's it's very, very scary, but there is a light at the, at the end of the tunnel and if I were to give advice to any young person and I realise that maybe listening to this, this is, you know, quite scary, to, a, lo- a lot to take in as well, but the advice I would give would be tell social services just if anything seems off, even if you you struggle with social services, you need to make sure that you tell them. And I'm going to say, like, when I was living with a blood relative, I wouldn't be allowed to see social services alone because I think my carer, in quotation marks, didn't want me to be alone just in case I slipped up or said something or whatever. But in all honesty, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't realise what I was going through was abuse and that it wasn't normal but tell social services even if you can because it will change everything for you hopefully for the better and second of all if you can't tell social services tell somebody in school because your foster carer isn't going to be in school with you so if you can find the time to tell somebody or 
do know somebody you can speak to about it, speak to them. And my last sort of piece of advice would be to ring the NSPCC or helplines. And I realise that, you know, a lot of young people, they don't have phones. I know I didn't, so I wouldn't even know where to ring. There were times when I was going through abuse that I was like, I'm going to call the police because I thought that might be the only way I can get out of this situation. But again, I didn't realise what I was going through was abuse. I just knew that I didn't like it. So yeah, I think just make sure you tell people and hopefully things will get better for you. And with that being said, I'm going to close up this podcast, but I want to say a massive thank you to all my listeners. I'm sending a massive amount of love to you all. And let's celebrate the positives of being in the care system and I realise that after my little rant earlier it doesn't sound like there's many but there is and I think a lot of young people forget that they went into foster care for a reason not that the reason was your fault but you are a victim to somebody else's mistakes and misjudgment so never blame yourself for the situation you're in because it's totally not your fault now without further ado I'm going to love you and leave you and I'll catch you in the next one and if you ever want to hear more about a certain experience of mine or anything like that drop me a message and I will probably end up doing a podcast about it so Adios guys and I will speak to you guys soon.